Traditional Christianity insists that the Godhead is a subject which is impossible to understand. They claim that it's a mystery beyond comprehension, which must be simply accepted by faith. But what does the Bible say? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast of the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Pastor Gregory Riggin. I count it a great honor to have you listening, and I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. Over the next few weeks, I'll be producing a special edition of Face the Truth, in which I'll be dealing with the subject of the Godhead. In order to do so, I'll be using the information contained in my book, Understanding the Godhead. I would like to encourage you to share this podcast with friends, family members, co-workers, and anyone else for whom this information will be beneficial. By the way, if you'd like to order a copy of the book, it's available on our church website. Simply go to newlifepc.com slash resources and select the book and the number of copies desired. For bulk orders, please send an email directly to me. My email address is bishop at olathatruth.com. As we begin our study of the Godhead, I want to first state that this subject is not one to be left to our opinions. I contend and will prove from the Bible that it is the most important subject in the Scripture. Let's turn our attention to the Word of God. We'll begin with a very familiar passage found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Jesus first asked his disciples concerning the opinions of others about who he was, the disciples responded with things that they had obviously heard. Next, Jesus asked a question that was far more important than the opinion of others. He wanted to know the opinion of his followers themselves. It was at that moment Peter made his well-known declaration. Matthew 16, 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There are a couple of things about this conversation which deserve our attention. You see, Peter no sooner made that statement than Jesus proclaimed four things. Let's look at them. Matthew 16, verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. First, Peter was blessed in that his confession was not the result of something he received from man. Rather, 
It came directly by divine revelation. Verse 18, Jesus said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The second thing we see is that this revelation is the foundation of the church. It is not an optional philosophy. Please understand that the church was not built on Simon Peter. While his name in the original Greek certainly means a rock, the word is more specific. The Greek word petros actually signifies a small pebble. When Jesus said he would build his church on this rock, he used a different Greek word altogether. Here, the Lord used Petra, which signifies a large boulder. Jesus built his church upon a large boulder, while Simon Peter was just a small pebble in the overall scheme of things. That large boulder upon which the church is built is the rock of the revelation of who Christ is. The third thing we see is that the rock of revelation of Christ's identity was the foundation upon which his church would be built. And from that we come to understand that what Jesus was saying about Peter's announcement was that hell could not destroy the church that would be built on the revelation God had given to Peter and is willing to give to everyone. Inasmuch as this particular revelation is the foundation of the church, we should immediately recognize the significance and necessity of making sure the church of which we are a part is built on that same foundation. The Apostle Paul would later confirm this when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Thus, it is imperative that we receive the same revelation of Christ's identity as was given to Simon Peter. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he made a statement that was well worth noting. Listen to 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Before analyzing this verse, let me first point out that Paul did not say, great is the mystery of the Godhead. In fact, we'll see momentarily that he, in another epistle, stated the exact opposite of that. When he wrote to Rome, he lets them know that the Godhead is not a mystery at all. We'll look at that in a few moments. What he says here in 1 Timothy 3.16 is great is the mystery of godliness. The Greek word used here is actually quite different from Godhead. This Greek word, which is translated godliness, is not even the same word which is usually used to convey the concept of godliness. Rather, it is a totally different word with a more far-reaching definition. 
According to Philip Schaff's popular commentary on the New Testament, the word godliness is taken to mean the religion which men profess. In other words, godliness here speaks of the totality of the Christian religion, all that Christianity encompasses. Pay attention then to the fact that this statement concerning Christianity hinges on what comes next, which is God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Thus, the first item that forms the basis for everything we believe is the fact that God was manifest in the flesh. With that in mind, the opening phrase becomes even more meaningful. The Apostle Paul said that the true Christian religion in its totality is without controversy. These two words, without controversy, are actually one word in the original Greek, and that word means by the consent of all. By context, it speaks of that which is agreed upon by all true believers. You know, often in my teaching, I provide clear definitions of particular Greek words and phrases and then summarize them. And when I do, I refer to that summary as the Riggin Revised Version or RRV. So the RRV of 1 Timothy 3.16 would read, by the consent of all true believers, the basis of the Christian religion is the fact that God was manifest in the flesh. Let me read that to you again. By the consent of all true believers, the basis of the Christian religion is the fact that God was manifest in the flesh. It should be obvious that Paul was saying every true believer holds the same opinion concerning who God is. We see then that Paul is telling us that all of us as Christians ought to have the same concept concerning God. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus stated that only the church uh, against which hell cannot prevail is the church that is built upon the revelation of who he is. Because of this fact, the biblical doctrine of the Godhead is not something that can be left to personal opinions and private interpretations. As we begin our pursuit of scriptural understanding concerning the Godhead, let us do as Jesus did and consider the opinions that are commonly held. You remember what he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? So we're going to begin right there. And I do feel confident in saying the majority of theologians and scholars who identify themselves as Christians would define God as the Holy Trinity. The Trinity is commonly defined as three separate and distinct persons who are co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent. Now, to ensure that I explain the Trinity in a manner acceptable to those who espouse that doctrine, I searched for an accurate definition. 
I went to a number of websites trying to find some consistency as scholars would define the Trinity. One website, which identifies itself as being about Christian apologetics and theology, defines the Trinity as follows. One, there is in the divine being but one indivisible essence. Two, in this one divine being, there are three persons or individual subsistences, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three, the whole undivided essence of God belongs equally to each of the three persons. Four, the subsistence and operation of the three persons in the divine being is marked by a certain definite order. Five, there are certain personal attributes by which the three persons are distinguished. Six, the church confesses the Trinity to be a mystery beyond the comprehension of man. Another website which seeks to address the doctrine of the Trinity offers the following commentary on the subject. Christian theologians have said, deny the Trinity and you will lose your soul. Try to explain it and you will lose your mind. Now, don't get upset at me. I didn't say that. I'm quoting from a Trinitarian website. Let me read that statement again. Christian theologians have said, deny the Trinity and you will lose your soul. Try to explain it and you will lose your mind. There are some things about God, this website continues, we cannot understand on this side of heaven. The mystery of the Trinity is one of them. So you see, regardless of the site to which I went, the explanations of the Trinity were varied and quite frankly, often confusing. There did seem to be one commonality, however. All of them ended their definitions with some form of the statement that the Trinity is a mystery beyond comprehension. Now, I have to tell you, it's beyond comprehension to me that God would make this such a vital doctrine while at the same time knowing full well it's not even possible for us to understand it. I don't want to be offensive to anyone who's listening, but it seems obvious to me the reason men teach that the Godhead is a mystery beyond comprehension is because their definition of God is beyond comprehension. In fact, the Apostle Paul stated the exact opposite. I mentioned this earlier. According to Paul, the biblical definition of the Godhead is well within the grasp of human understanding. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In this verse, Paul states that some things are clearly seen and that they are understood. Furthermore, those who fail to clearly see and understand these things 
are actually without excuse. Interestingly, the apostle listed the Godhead among those things. Thus, not only can you understand the Godhead and should you understand the Godhead, but you have no excuse for not understanding the Godhead. That doesn't sound like an incomprehensible mystery to me. Inasmuch as the Godhead can and should be understood, and it is not a complex mystery, I contend that the subject of the Godhead is actually one of profound simplicity. In the following podcasts, we're going to examine four scriptural principles that form the framework for all that is needed to understand the Godhead. If a person can fully grasp and accept these four simple principles that I'm going to provide for you in the upcoming podcasts, that person will come to the conclusion that the Godhead truly is a subject which is easy to comprehend. Furthermore, they will arrive at a proper biblical interpretation of exactly who the God of the Bible really is. Now, in these upcoming podcasts, we're going to identify these four basic principles, all of which are taken directly from the Scriptures. My plan is to dedicate each podcast to a particular principle so that we will be able to examine each of them in detail. Furthermore, once we're finished explaining these concepts, we will take at least one podcast and maybe more to answer a number of frequently asked questions on the subject of the Godhead. Before concluding this episode of Face the Truth, I want to encourage you to keep a paper and pen handy. As I teach on this subject over the next several weeks, write down any questions you may have. In the event that those questions are not answered in subsequent podcasts, I would consider it an honor to have you send them via email to bishop at olathetruth.com. That's bishop, B-I-S-H-O-P, at O-L-A-T-H-E-T-R-U-T-H, olathatruth.com. I will do my best to address your questions and to provide you with a scriptural response. Also, I want to again remind you that everything I'm going to be teaching in this series is included in my book entitled Understanding the Godhead. You can order a copy of the book from our website for only $10 plus the actual shipping cost. Simply visit newlifepc.com resources. That's newlifepc.com resources to order your copy. Let me say once more how much I appreciate you joining us today. Also, I want to remind you that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer requests to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. Send your questions on the Godhead to bishop at olathetruth.com. That's bishop at 
olaythetruth.com. Now, if you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week, Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, our Twitter account, and our church website, newlifepc.com slash listen, newlifepc.com slash listen. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.